0: Hi, we're the Rices. We've been married for 12 years. We have six kids from the ages of nine to zero, and we're full of passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Raising Rices podcast. We are here today to talk about teaching a biblical worldview. Now, you may have heard us mention the idea of a worldview many times before when we're talking about our vision or applying our vision or what our family culture is. But we wanted to get a little deeper into the conversation today to help flesh out kind of what it means to have a biblical worldview and how practically we can teach that to our kids. So if you're not sure exactly what we're referencing, listen up because I think this is gonna be a really valuable conversation.
1: Super valuable and In fact, we're just going to start off with our conviction right from the top so that you guys know exactly where we stand. We are convinced that as parents who believe in the Bible, that we must teach our children to view the world through the window or lens of the Bible.
0: Right. This shapes our morality. This shapes our biology, our anthropology, our psychology, our soteriology, our eschatology, And so much more.
1: Basically all the ologies. I
0: love all those big
1: words. (laughs) I don't even know if I know what all those big words are. So you might have to tell us, give us some examples of all of those ologies.
0: Yeah. So it just, it affects our morality, our sense of right and wrong. Having a biblical worldview shapes that. It determines that. It shapes our biology, our understanding of the living world around us. Our anthropology, that's the study of man, right? Who is man? What is his role in the world? How should we understand who we are as humans, right? Psychology, what is our mind thinking? How do we think about the way that we think and interact with other people, right? Our soteriology, what is the ultimate goal? I mean, it's the study of salvation, Mm -hmm. but I want to be clear that every worldview has a soteriology. So even if it's secular humanism or Marxism, and you might think, well, they don't believe you go to heaven in the end, so there's no soteriology. There is a soteriology. They promote... The Whatever the agenda is, and the more you promote the agenda, the better you are in that worldview. And that's your soteriology. To transcend, to be the greatest follower of the teachings of Marx that you can be, that earns you something. Even if it's just (laughs) temporary praise in this world, right? Eschatology. What do we believe the end of time, the end of the earth, is going to be? Right, And yeah. so many more things.
1: And just talking about this, just hearing those examples, you can already, I'm sure, if you're listening right now, come up with multiple different ways worldviews for each of those and the truth is what we want to impress on you guys because we have ourselves felt very strong in this conviction that we have to be teaching and living out a biblical worldview there's so many different ones but we're gonna specifically hone in and really encourage that biblical worldview
0: right so as you are parenting or as you are making decisions We've talked about this before. Our first question should be, what does the Bible say about that? Yes. Or what does God say about that through his word?
1: through his written word of the Bible. Not what does mommy and daddy say about this, like if we're talking about it in reference to parenting, but what does the Bible say? And you know, this just reminds me of a story um, that you may, if you are a Christian parent, have heard um, either someone tell you or you've heard someone else accuse someone else of this. But everyone in the conversation in the world right now is talking about... Indoctrination.
0: Indoctrination. (laughs)
1: Indoctrination.
0: Yeah, are, who's, who's indoctrinating who? Well, aren't you just a terrible parent
1: mm-hmm. because
0: you're indoctrinating your kids into this Christian church thing and it, it, that's not fair. You should teach them everything and let them decide for themselves. What do you think?
1: In reality, that's a worldview.
0: That is a worldview. That is a worldview that negates objective truth
1: mm-hmm.
0: in favor for, for subjective truth. And so there's nothing neutral. No. And I think that's really important that, that we understand that as we're teaching our kids all of life that there's nothing neutral. Neutrality is a complete myth. It is a worldview in itself to plead to you to be neutral. Right. That is somebody even if they say they're not. That is a worldview that is vying for you to follow it instead of a biblical worldview. Because the biblical worldview says, train your children in the Word.
1: Yeah. And the Bible says, it's no fool. I mean, God knows, right? right? The Bible says that the student will grow up to be like its teacher.
0: Right. And, And if you are allowing... Your children, or even if you are teaching your children in a neutral way, quote unquote, a neutral way, then that in itself is negating or or ignoring a Christian or a biblical worldview. You might think, oh, it's just history. We're just teaching history. What what's Christian about that? Well, all of teaching and understanding history is to understand what drives people, what, like, the kids know. Yeah. Is, is there, who's the good guy here? They're, they're at war, right? Who, who's the good guy? Noah came to me the other day, and he says, Dad, is it, what, the, the Bible says, do not kill, but what if you're in the army? And what if there's believers on both sides of the war? And these kind of questions, Kids know that there's good and evil in the world, especially if you've taught them that. So then, teaching history, that's not neutral anymore, right? right, right. You should teach history with a biblical worldview to say, here's evil at play. Here is selfishness. Here is greed. Yeah, You know, all of those types of things play themselves out in history, and we should learn from history.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Today, we're really... Honing in on teaching a biblical worldview, but next podcast, season 2, episode 5, next week, we're going to be talking about the application of that biblical worldview. So you'll hear stories from us today um, so that you can kind of wrap your mind around what a biblical worldview looks like. But if you're like, well, okay, I believe you. I'm with you. What do I do? Make sure you listen in next week as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so one of the things that is, I think is important as you're teaching then your kids right. is that you as the parent are using discernment to see and to understand that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. And I think as believers, sometimes we underplay this mm-hmm. and, and we we get lulled into this false sense of neutrality and we kind of lose sight of the fact that We are in the midst of a war. Not that we hate the world, but that we need to severely understand that if the world has a chance, if the devil has a chance, they are going to steal the hearts of your kids. Yeah. And they're not fools about it either. No. What does the Bible say? It says, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, right? Yes. So be wise and... View and understand that the world will try to teach your kids an unbiblical worldview. Mm -hmm. And so every chance we have that we're in the driver's seat of the teaching, we need to be engaging in what is a biblical perspective.
1: Yeah. I was just talking to Darren right before we started this podcast about some truths of today. And one of those truths that can be, you know, statistically quantified is that um, students or kids or young people will trust more the person that they hear from to teach them a topic first. So,
0: like a first impression. First
1: impression. We could all agree with that. Someone presents us some like significant information about something. That's going to be our baseline, right? It's so
0: interesting. Even the proverbs says this. It says, right, he who presents his case first seems right. Yes. Until he's cross-examined. Yes. But it, it draws out that first point that yeah. whoever gives the information first they sure seem right. That seems like a valid source, a valid perspective on whatever the topic is.
1: Yeah, and then to build on that, it also says that kids, students, young people, the way that they learn best or solidify their position is not only hearing and being taught something, but experiencing it touching it Mm. seeing it and you know what we can stand confidently that because we have a biblical worldview god's creation will reflect him and so that but they're not going to see that unless we point it out
0: right it's kind of interesting you bring that up because i was thinking about this we visited so many national parks this year yes and it the, the world is no fool nope because they know that. So here you are. You're in front of this beautiful expanse that is Bryce Canyon. It's just awe- awe-inspiring, right? It's mm-hmm. breathtaking. And there, every chance, every sign along the walkway, printed on the walkway, yeah. <laughs> every pamphlet, the entire like gift shop, the whole display in the mm-hmm. visitor center, all is carries an evolutionary worldview that denies God and denies the creation. Yeah. And so there they are. It, the The whole teaching is anti-biblical. And so as a believer going into that, and I kind of, I don't know, I kind of overlooked it at the very beginning of one of those trips, and I was like, oh yeah, it'll be beautiful, and and we can just teach about God, but then you're just confronted with like oh but you also have to have an argument a good answer like what is a good biblical scientific answer to answer the anti-biblical science, quote-unquote, that's presented.
1: And, you know, we like to talk about our conviction. We like to talk about, like, character qualities that come from it. And then we like to end with, you know, what are some challenges? And, you know, not to jump ahead of ourselves, but that is a challenge. You know, like, seeing the world around us pushing so hard to be anti-biblical can make you feel reservations, right, on how to you know, stand up and do this battle against um, this anti-world, Well, it
0: really makes you, it really made me figure out how to do some homework, (laughs) right? Because all of a sudden, you can't just, like, I guess you can't passively think you're gonna be able to just say, well, God made it this way. When somebody else is presenting an argument that says God didn't make it this way. Right. Then you have to, know what is the what is the biblical refute for yeah that answer.
1: Yeah. And then kind of like just wrapping around so we talked about, um, young people, children will kinda go with the first information they get. Right, and that will be their foundation until they have been either proved differently or taught something different. <clears throat> and then we talked about the second being like they need to touch something, they need to see something, they experience something, and so we need to show them that we can't just stand on you know Bryce Canyon and say, "Wow, isn't this beautiful?" and then move on. We need to use the verbiage of "Look what God has created," mm-hmm. right? And we need to point them to God's word in the Bible um, when it comes to different topics. And so then the third level is that it also, when I was reading this article today, it was talking about how young people, children, students, what they um, nowadays, and you guys could probably, after I say this, be like, yeah, I can totally see how this is true. But they put the value or um, the belief that the internet and the person in front of them talking have the same truth. Or the same, you know, uh, weight. The same yeah. weight of teaching.
0: And the internet's a wild place.
1: Such a wild place.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's something that is important for us to know as believers. Yeah. That there's... We have to present a real argument and stay at the forefront of the conversation with our mm-hmm. kids to build their trust in one true... Worldview, one true truth that that encompasses all of life. right. And I think sometimes, as believers, that can feel really overwhelming. Yeah. And so then I think we try to just pick the big ones, like soteriology. like, well, if they are saved, then we can maybe even compromise on a little bit of everything else,
1: right, as long as
0: they're going to heaven. right. and but I think the danger with that is is that if you compromise, on eight other things then the soteriology is under undercompromised too right right you, you you've compromised the biology you've compromised the geology you've compromised the psychology and you're like well maybe the maybe scripture isn't sufficient maybe yeah. we need these other kind of mystical tools and things to solve our mental problems instead of prayer and walking in the spirit and so now we've compromised a whole bunch of elements of our biblical worldview, and we're kind of...
1: Picking and choosing.
0: And we're leaving the soteriology. Their salvation's at risk, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: You know, we just can't play this card of because I said so anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't play the card. We just got to have more faith. And while like that statement about growing in your faith is totally valid. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, we are all on a sanctification journey. It is just not sufficient in teaching.
0: Right. I think there's, we're in this information age where there's so much information. Right. And we need to not back down in this era. Right. And, and I was thinking in the national parks, it's a little awkward sometimes when you're like, Reading the signs and <laughs> telling the kids Like well that's not really true Here's here's what the Bible has to say about that And here's the flood and here's You know a biblical ice age that was You know 3,000 years ago Or 4,000 years ago and all this stuff but You know what
1: but you know what? I got over you <laughs> take it. You did get over and you did amazing. <laughs> but I remember specifically, and um, this is maybe just a God thing or just like, a, "Hey, I I see you, and you're doing great." We were at the Grand Canyon in one of the like um, visitor center types of things, and Darren was talking about this one animal in this. I don't even know the layers or whatever. Oh, yeah. And this man came up to him and he's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like a pat on the back, like, good job, you know? Yeah. And I think that I, I love that. Cause we need more of that. And, but also just an encouragement, you know, you got, if you, what is that? If you don't stand for,
0: if you don't stand for something, you'll fall, and for, fall everything. for everything. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. This was a really good introduction, babe. But we need to cover some character qualities, which are going to just be obvious because we've talked about those. And then hit some challenges before we wrap up here. Um, and so let's dive into some character. We've already talked about discernment. You know what's awesome is that the character qualities that are going to be like formed and grown in your children are also being formed and grown in you.
0: Yeah. And uh, these are really important. And I think, you know, as we... Continue this podcast. We see more and more of these things. That these are the ones that I feel like pop up in the center of so many issues. Mm-hmm. But discernment, really seeing good for good and evil for evil, when yeah. and and biblical for biblical and unbiblical for what it is, which is anti-biblical.
1: It's so funny too. Like we will like we will teach. Right. We'll teach our kids about discernment. And then when a topic or a question comes up, we can then turn and ask them, what do you think? Based on what you've learned so far, what is your thoughts? And you know what? We tell them it is okay not to know at this point. But we just want to hear what you're thinking. And if you don't know, then just tell us you don't know. And then we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah. Or if they give an answer that's kind of on the right track. Right. Or kind of on the wrong track then it gives us an opportunity to understand where, which direction we need to be teaching. Like, oh, remember, God said this in the Bible. Oh, remember, God says this about that topic. Whatever those kind of things are.
1: We have an elder at our church. Um, His name is Jason Mills. And he always plays the... Skip the skeptic, mm-hmm. and um, in our home group, and we just love it because it makes you really think deep thoughts. And I feel like we in in the dis- discernment realm that that character of playing Skip. Really comes out with our kids too because we ask the questions that the world is asking. Yeah, we push in on them and say, "Well, what about this and uh, what about that?" You know, which leads us to our second character trait that is really developed when you really hone in on a biblical worldview, and that is truth. Darren touched on this earlier, but truth is not neutral, right? Right. True, it is. It's Absolute truth, not relative truth.
0: Yeah, and we live in a world that just loves to try to promote this idea of relative truth. This world that just your truth is your truth. And yeah, your
1: truth is my truth. What's
0: true for me is true for me, and what's true for you. And and it's it's really really important that a character quality that we build in our kids is knowing that there is a truth.
1: Yeah. We read this really cute children's book um, that now, of course, it's about the chameleon with the googly eyes. Uh, We'll have to, like, post that on our Instagram so you guys can see it. It's a really good one. And it talks about, at the end, about this concept of relative truth and absolute truth. And one of the illustrations it gives for the kids was saying, like, well, I, you know, what if I said there was, like, a whale in this cup? You yeah. know, that's my truth. I believe there's a whale in this cup.
0: There's no whale in the cup. There's no
1: whale in the cup because you can look with your eyes and you can you can distinguish.
0: The, the biology shows there is no whale in that cup. It's a goldfish. <laughs>
1: yes. Right? And so it's just, you know, and that goes with another co- character trait that we're going to be talking about is logic. Yeah. You know, like truly... When you are teaching with a biblical worldview, and the Lord is so good, and I love that every year more and more scientific evidence comes out for God's glory, right? Like, you can think about creation. Like, we were... Okay, I am totally all over the board, but I was just thinking about... We went to Mount St. Helens this past year. Yeah. And horrible, right, that there was a volcano and that there was deaths. but, But ultimately, God's glory was shown because it revealed two scientists, that it doesn't take millions of years to create something like the Grand Canyon that looks millions of years because they literally saw it get formed at Mount St. Helens
0: in months. In
1: months. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's just like all of these things just point to God's glory. And so logically we can also show our children that.
0: When I was just thinking, we live in a world right now where the one of the predominant worldviews in the culture today is asking us on a regular basis to deny the physical world that we see in front of us with our eyes. Yes. Right? We see something and they say, nope, that's not that. That's something else. And so just teaching our kids that truth aligns with the visual representation that is shown to us in this world by yeah. God those things line up like you can reliably look at a woman and say that's a woman because that's what God made
1: yeah lastly well obviously there's many character qualities that are developed but we want to kind of touch on wisdom and biblical worldview teaching helps create wise children.
0: Yeah, it creates wise children. And it and having a biblical worldview says, where does wisdom come from? Right. right? And we read in Proverbs that wisdom comes from the Lord. And so we shouldn't be, we, we should be seeking wisdom from the Lord first. And when we teach truth, and we teach discernment, and we teach a biblical worldview, it reveals itself as wisdom because it is from the Lord.
1: And it is good.
0: Yeah, those things just go together.
1: All right, we're going to wrap up a little bit with challenges. We hit one key challenge earlier, and that was talking about insecurities as parents Mm -hmm. in this teaching realm. But... Uh, Darren and I were just talking about and we mentioned it earlier you know like if you don't do it if you don't try it you're going to get absolutely nothing um, I had a basketball coach freshman and he always he would always say this and I'm sure you all have heard it too you're going to miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take
0: yeah so as a parent and, and as you're teaching if you're shaky in an area or you're unsure and um, we would be happy to point you in the direction of some resources we've used. Yeah. There's so many really good, really solid people out there that if your kids are questioning the Ice Age and they want to know what a biblical view on the Ice Age is... Go to Answers in yeah,
1: Genesis. Yeah. There
0: is great stuff out there or, or whatever it is, seek and and dedicate yourself as a parent Right. To knowing and understanding what the Bible says about whatever the topic at hand is. Because
1: it matters. It
0: really matters. Yeah, and
1: don't use that, though, as an excuse. Yeah, just get the conversation started. Yeah, and also, if I may be bold enough to say, don't um, pass off that teaching to somebody else. Right. You need to be the one to get some gumption and do it. And yeah. I say this because I struggle with that too. Well,
0: and this is a time where I think it's really important to play together with the strengths of your spouse. Yes. Right? So Marissa and I work together really well to say, hey, that sounds like a question for dad. <laughs> <laughs> or why don't you ask your mom about that? Because those are just... Sometimes there's just areas that we know more about, or we've read more about, or we've read more about recently, or are more yeah. appropriate to be addressed by one or the other of us. And so don't abdicate that responsibility to somebody else. Right. Take ownership of it because they're, they're kids that are given to you as a blessing by God for your responsibility, your jurisdiction. Yeah. To raise them up. And
1: that doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. Mm -mm. Like I had mentioned that, gentleman at our church, fabulous resource. But that doesn't mean I tell my son, just go ask Jason. No, I go with my son and model what it looks like to find the answer. Yeah,
0: to seek the wisdom of an elder in your church on a particular topic and say, well, I've read this and I've read that and... What is your input? What do you think?
1: Yes. And the last challenge I think we're going to touch on because we're already over time. This is a very big topic we love to talk about. I know, we love to talk about it. (laughs) So you'll definitely have to tune in next week too. But the last challenge is I would classify it as time. You know, like if you don't take the time to do this, if you don't like plan out accordingly what is important to talk about the time will get filled with something else
0: yeah we were really feeling this recently where we felt like there's so many things going on in life that you really have to be intentional with the time because life will just happen
1: yes and you will blink and then your daughter will be turning 10 this summer right and you'll be like whoa time is a thief Yeah. So, and not to send fear, because God is not a God of fear and anxiety and stress, but to view it as, hey, kind of like what we talked about in some of our earlier podcast episodes, what is the most important? What is my best yes in this moment?
0: Yeah, and make sure that it's something that you're just engaging with constantly to be shaping your kid's worldview. We listen to... A courageous parenting has said before that the your worldview of your kids is shaped by the age they're twelve. Yeah, and and that comes quick. Yeah, that comes quick, and so it's really important, especially in those younger years. Even if you think, oh, we'll get to that later,
1: or they're too young to understand, or
0: they're too young to understand. I promise you that somebody else is out there trying to teach them first.
1: Yes. And even if you homeschool, even if you, you know, have your kids under a tight umbrella, the visually what they are seeing today.
0: Yeah, all you have to do is go to a park, turn yes. on
1: Netflix. Yes. Doesn't matter. Everything it's- contradicts the biblical world biblical worldview.
0: Yeah. So we hope that this is a little glimpse into a biblical worldview. Yeah. That it's hopefully encouraging to you guys to dig into what the word says about all of life. And tune in next week because we will be talking a little bit more about the practical application of a biblical worldview.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. make sure if this episode blessed you that you would just share it with someone else. Maybe like and subscribe. And um, we can't wait to talk with you guys next week. Thanks, everyone.